Hey, Chuckleheads, you're listening to Go Chuck Yourself. In this very special episode, Aaron and I are going to be recapping and discussing Season 2, Episode 12 of Chuck. That's Chuck versus the Third Dimension. Now, if you've seen this episode before, you know it's pretty wild, so we're going to dive into it in just a second. Just a couple of things. If you want to contact us, feel free to email us at gochuckyourselfpodcast at gmail.com. If you want to follow us on Twitter, that's at gochuckpodcast. And just a reminder to like and subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And a uh, brief invitation, if you want to write a review for our uh, show on one of those platforms, that would be great. We'd love to hear from you. Now, here we go. to go chuck yourself in 3d hey aaron whoa you hear my hand coming right out of the screen chris has a glass of water and it's like it's coming right at me hold on i'm gonna spew some water at you ah! oh now i'm all wet oh, no, oh. i also made you this banana cream pie i left all those banana peels on the ground whoa oh Oh, no, it flew and it fell right on my face. Oh, oh, there's a shark swimming right towards us. Oh! <gasps> my name's Chris Gillespie. My name's Aaron Arata. You're listening to Go Chuck Yourself. Uh, in this episode, we're going to be talking about season two, episode 12, Chuck versus the Third Dimension. Pretty good title. Don't know what it's related to. I am I am wearing currently a pair of uh, Chuck-themed 3D, 3D glasses. Oh, I didn't even see that they had Chuck on the side. There's a... Uh, there's Chuck. We'll post a picture of these uh, to Twitter. Chuck and Sarah. Chuck and Sarah. And these wow, bad boys, it says cool. the complete second season. These came uh, with the DVD box set of season two. Okay, I have a question for you. And I don't know if you're going to I have an answer. It, but when this episode yes. aired, you, you have no, an I answer? Okay, no, I don't. Please tell me. What's your question? How did they do this in 3D on TV? When this episode initially aired... Uh, I believe that it was shown. I don't I don't recall if the entire thing was shown as you would see 3D with like the kind of dual like layers. Um, but I do remember mm-hmm. having 3D glasses. I'm pretty sure that they came from Subway. I feel like this is the first oh, like okay. Subway kind of Chuck partnership. I don't know. Okay, if I, I don't believe that I went to Subway. I believe my my friend did and he got them for us. I think. Wait, 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 wait. You have another friend who watched Chuck. Um, Excuse me. Uh, I I uh, didn't I didn't know how to tell you this. Uh, oh. I had uh, okay. My friend uh, my friend John. You think you know someone? It's over though. I it's John and I don't even talk anymore. Like it's it, you're the you're the only Chuck friend that I have. I he was the past, you know. Like I was young. I was messing around. We was just like, hey, you like Chuck? I like Chuck. You got 3D glasses for the 3D episode. You like Subway <laughs> sandwiches. Let's let's make this happen, you know? All right. Well, as long as as long as you say it's over, I believe you. I watched it in 3D originally. The episode, at least on the DVD, not in 3D. It's not at all? I mean, like, I don't have the glasses, so I couldn't tell. But, like, they were definitely trying. It was trying it was, to be in 3D. Yeah, it was trying to be in 3D. Version. But, like, I really think when it originally aired that they did, like, a special thing on it that's not included oh, okay. on the dvd okay or amazon okay yeah i have i have no way i mean i guess i could look it up but i have no way of confirming that from my viewing other than like like the uh intro had like the cool like right. things that you could tell were supposed to be 3d and like they had like the knives thrown at the yeah you can still everything. see the gags that they were supposed to be in 3d yeah. but i don't think it was actually because i did yeah. i had these glasses on for part of the episode and i was like let's do it i'm uh-huh. ready but nothing happened yeah. They came with the DVD, even though the episode itself is not actually in 3D. It came with it came with two pairs, and I was like, "Oh, should I have sent you the other one?" If I was thinking ahead of time, but that would I mean that would have been nice. But you, it's assuming that people who watch Chuck have plans or rela- friends or relationships in their life that were. Oh well, yeah. I mean, I, I just sent my other That's one to nice. John. Uh, <laughs> glaring at you for for the listeners, I am glaring at Chris in my 3D glasses. So yeah, this is the. Episode Chuck versus the Third Dimension. Uh, something that I noticed while I was watching this episode, there's a uh, 
a rock star character that is portrayed in it. Um, and yes. I was thinking that it would be fun during this episode if anytime like we should tag anything that we think could be a good potential band name or a record title. And then at the end of the episode, okay, within right, the episode. out of our notes, out of the episode. Okay. Um, and then at the end of this okay. episode, we'll pick our favorite, maybe, maybe favorite okay, band name good. and then favorite record. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So sounds good. would you like to uh, take us into the third dimension? I don't know how long I'm going to wear these glasses for before I get a headache, but let's go. Are they, do they, do they bother you? Not really. Okay. Keep them on. All right. Okay. Just another great visual gag for our audio only <laughs> podcast. So we open on Chuck in bed having anxiety dreams about Sarah shooting the focal agent. Okay, stop. <laughs> anxiety <laughs> dreams? No. Okay. But this was something where I was like, if this was intended to be in 3D, what's about to happen in the episode, <laughs> I was like, this is insane that I was like, I don't know. I was I was getting a little hot and bothered. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, okay. Uh, he wakes up and sees Sarah at the foot of his bed in lingerie. She starts playing with his feet, which that's not something about Chuck that I wanted to know. But, uh, <laughs> she crawls on top of him seductively. And he comments how he wants to be more respectful of women, even in his dreams, which I thought was nice. Uh, Chuck tells Sarah he saw her kill the agent and he needs to tell her that in real life. Sarah says, this isn't a dream. It's a nightmare and stabs him. Can you imagine, though, if this is in 3D and like the idea was that Sarah and Laundry would be crawling out of your television at you? <laughs> I think that, that must have been what they were going for. Because I, I was guess. like, there's it's so there's what are the odds of them starting an episode that's in 3D with this kind of thing? And the fact that the camera angle was like Sarah coming up the bed. Yeah, I mean, I guess I, I guess you're right. Um, Chuck wakes I up did, I, was, I wasn't paying attention to the scene at all. I, I don't know. I wasn't watching that closely. <laughs> Chuck wakes up screaming. Uh, at breakfast, Ellie and Devin ask Chuck what's been stressing him out. He says things have been hectic at work, and Devin sort of scoffs at this. So I know that he's a doctor, but this guy happened in the last episode, too, and, like, working in retail can be stressful. Like, it's a different kind of stress, but it's still stressful. Chuck has a right to his feelings, Devin. It is, and I think Devin actually uh, gives us one of the first, I'll put a candidate out there for band name right, or record do. title. But I think Devin says the phrase tense coil of stressed out negativity. Oh, yeah, that's, that's my band name, I'm sure. My solo act. <laughs> well, we'll see. There might be other options coming okay. down the line. Uh, uh, recurring theme of this oh, episode. Also, oh. sorry, not to okay. before you, I don't, don't mean to keep cutting you off, but like Devin's all like you work in retail, how hard it can be. Uh, they just came out of the holiday season, which is well known to be the most stressful time for retail. And also, Devin was there when a deranged <laughs> gunman came into the store and took them hostage. Yeah. He knows that it's a stressful job. Yep. Nope. Devin has no sympathy here. He was there. He tackled the guy. And he's just like, whatever, Chuck, get over it. So uh, the recurring theme in this episode that I had mentioned is they encourage Chuck to take a day off. Mm -hmm. Chuck does go into work, though, and he immediately encounters a line of fans waiting for someone named Tyler Martin to do a record signing. Not Wait, Ricky they got Martin. the Tyler Martin? The Tyler Martin. No way. Apparently, he was supposed to do the signing at Large Mart, but Large Mart pulled out because Tyler had a sex tape scandal, which I kind of wanted to know more about. But uh, we don't find out more about it. We just find out that Big Mike offered up the buy more and Tyler accepted. Big Mike calls Morgan into his office and asks Morgan to help train a new hire, one of Big Mike's friends who recently got paroled. Morgan is not enthused about helping out an ex-con and makes a shower joke, but Big Mike emphasizes that his friend is now a teammate. I like Big Mike's attitude here. Morgan gets a D-minus in understanding the prison industrial complex. <laughs> well, his view on it, I think, changes a little bit yeah, over the I course of the episode. A little bit. Um, the... The friend of Big Mike's name is, we only know him as Mr. Butterman. Yeah. That's the character's name. Yes. Uh, he's played by uh, Super Bowl winning running back Jerome Bettis. Yeah, it was nice to see him. I mean, uh, I've never seen him before in my life, but it was still nice to see him. I didn't know his name, but I was like, I think that's a football player. And then afterwards, I looked it up. What, what team did he play for? <sighs> well, I'm the Rams. You want me to confirm? It's definitely Mr. The Butterman Rams. would be uh, a pretty good. Okay, you want to put that on the list? Los Angeles Rams, St. Louis Rams, and Pittsburgh Steelers. 
missed the Steelers. Oh, seriously, you're going to take points off because I missed one of the I mean, teams? I didn't, then? Take, I didn't take points off, but uh, I could. I guess you didn't give me any points. Yeah. Um, okay, so, Mr. Butterman. The sketchiest man in the world. That's a good, that, good man <laughs> name. We got it. Um, should I'll I be write writing down? these down? Okay, yeah, no, writing. I am. I got okay. it. The sketchiest man in the world who is wearing a logoless baseball cap, a trench coat, and sunglasses, and carrying an unmarked package, gets out of the record signing line and opens the package right in the middle of the store, uh, where literally anyone could see him, and in fact, Chuck does see him. I don't know, like, he knows what's <laughs> in there. I don't know why he does this. Uh, Chuck sees the man open the package and flashes on it, and it's a grenade! Uh, a really big grenade. Really like big a time, grenade. a time bomb, if you will. Chuck alerts Sarah and Casey to the presence of the grenade, and Casey takes the grenade and tries to bring it out of the store. There's a little counter on the screen counting down the time, which I assume was 3D at some point. Um, I just thought it was kind of cool to like have a visual representation of the time, because I could like check in and be like, oh, and you could see that it was in real time. So that was mm-hmm. kind of cool. Um, there's this kind of really irritating scene where all the green shirts see Casey and Chuck trying to get out of the store quickly and keep interrupting them and trying to get the box. It ends happily, though, because Morgan is clotheslined by the new hire, Mr. Butterman. <laughs> uh, Chuck and Casey don't make it out of the store, in fact, but they put the bomb inside like some kind of industrial trash can. Then they put that inside a refrigerator. Then they put that inside a steel storage closet. So there is an explosion, uh, which they don't seem to clean up at all, but it's not uh, as bad as it could be. So that's nice. Have you ever been in the, I mean, you've been in the back room of retail establishments. It looks like a bomb went off all the time. No one will be able to tell. Yeah, that's... I thought that- I thought this was smart thinking with the grenade disposal. Yeah. They're really, they were really resourceful in the moment. It, it reminded me of that scene in Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Ah, uh, yes, where he survives the nuclear bomb explosion by being yeah, in the refrigerator. Yep. That's the one scene I remember in that movie. And <laughs> Mutt Williams. So, as I mentioned before... Mutt Williams? Mutt Williams. Who's Mutt Williams? That's a Shia LaBeouf's character. Oh, right. right. Yeah. Okay. So, as I was saying, Butt the Williams. intro is in 3D. Butt Williams, I'm writing that down. Okay, Butt Williams. Um, the intro is in 3D, is what I'm trying to say <laughs> here. Um, I thought it was a nice touch. I was, uh, usually when the intro comes on, although I love the intro, um, I usually take that time to, like, catch up on the notes that I've been taking, so I only happen to glance up, like, at the end, and then I was like, oh shit, this is in 3D. Well, that's incredibly um, disrespectful, but I'm glad that you were paying attention this yeah. one time. Yes, me too. I then wants Chuck and Sarah to question Tyler Martin, who we find out is played by Dominic Monaghan. Chuck is extremely cavalier about anyone wanting to kill a pop star, and Beckman, in turn, is extremely cavalier about how hard it might be to get Tyler alone. She works for the CIA, but doesn't understand security? Whatever? I don't know, Beckman. Come on. Uh, Tyler is apparently Willy Wonka now, because he announces that he's put a golden ticket into one of his CDs, which will allow the winner a backstage pass to his concert. Chuck wonders how they'll get him alone. Meanwhile, Sarah winks at Tyler, and he's immediately enticed. She says, oh, it's going to be easy. Sarah lures Tyler into the storage cage, then Casey shoots Tyler in the neck with a tranquilizer. Why why do they have to be so secret about getting him by himself? Why wouldn't they just go up and say, hi, like, obviously not in the middle of the buy more when everyone else is there, but why wouldn't they approach him separately and be like, uh, we work for the government. We think there's a threat upon your life. We really need to talk about this. Like, why would they try to trick him into being alone? I don't get that it. That is a good question. The only thing I can think of is that, like, his manager, it turns out, is the bad guy. So maybe they couldn't get him alone without, maybe they didn't know who was in on it. Uh, True. But still, I feel like they could have uh, done something. I mean, even if they were just like, because he's, if they had said, like, we work at the Buy More and we just want to talk to you about some security stuff, like, I don't mm. know. But, yeah, that's um, true. Whatever. Uh, they bring the Tranquilized Tyler. Tranquilized Tyler. You want to write that one down? Sure. Okay. Um, back to Casey's apartment. Casey comments that Tyler should be out for 12 to 14 hours, but Tyler wakes up right away, presumably because he's used to drugs. So Casey shoots him again. Sarah and Casey tell Chuck they got a match on the guy who planted the grenade's car, and they're going after him. They ask Chuck to keep an eye on Tyler while they're gone. As they leave, they're both concerned about him having been jumpy lately. Casey says maybe Chuck does need a day out. The team refers to Chuck watching Tyler sleep as tongue watch duty, which you can sure as hell bet I'm adding to the list. Right. Um, in the Buy More, Jeff, Lester, Butterman, and Morgan are opening all the CDs at night to find the golden ticket. 
Morgan is the one who finds it, so everyone else is going to compete for his affection in some kind of contest that he has developed the rules of. Um, there's some more prison stereotyping kind of stuff that I don't really want to acknowledge here, but it does happen, so I will uh, acknowledge that much. Um, that night, Chuck realizes Tyler is not still sleeping and follows him into the courtyard where Tyler is peeing in the fountain. There's some awkwardness where Chuck asks him to stop and Tyler turns, presumably still fully exposed. Tyler asks Chuck where he is. Chuck says he works for a label and Tyler has to stay at this secure location for the night. Tyler says he's got to go because it's party night. Chuck says, but it's Tuesday. Imagine how disgusting it would be if for the 3D episode they oh showed God. <laughs> peeing on the audience. Yeah, that was On network television. <laughs> Um, I actually remember this scene because when we were newly 21, my friend and I went to this bar that was super crowded on a Tuesday and we said, what? It's Tuesday. So I remember seeing this scene shortly after and thinking, ah, pretty excited about it. In the courtyard, Chuck offers to call his bosses to confirm what he's told Tyler. Tyler asks Chuck if the record company bought him his phone. Chuck says yes, although he could have easily just said it was his personal phone. Um, He doesn't, though, and Tyler checks it into the fountain. Reminding Chuck that he's just been invited to party with the Tyler Martin. The Tyler Martin. The Tyler Martin. Chuck and Tyler go out to do shots. I know it's LA, but no one seems to care that Tyler Martin is among them, so maybe he's not really as famous as we were led to believe. Or maybe everyone's just really drunk. Tyler's manager, Gavin, calls, and it seems like there might be an issue when he says he's never heard of Chuck, but uh, Tyler brushes it off. I'm going to take my... 3D glasses off now before I permanently damage my vision and I yes. can read. Um, yeah, so Tyler and Chuck are at the hip bar. Uh, as Aaron was saying, Tyler peer pressures Chuck to take a shot. Tyler's agent calls. Tyler tells him that he's with Chuck, who his agent says that he's never heard of, but Tyler doesn't care because he's having a good time. Yeah. They continue to party hard as all the drinks are going to be on the record company's dime. Woo! I don't know how they uh, because Chuck doesn't work for the record company, so I don't know how they um, like at the end of the night when the bartenders are like, "Give us a card." I don't know how they play that, but apparently they do. <laughs> uh, back at the Bymore's break room, Morgan has set up some kind of triathlon for Jeff Lester and Mister Butterman to compete in in order to win his plus one with the golden ticket. The first leg of which is, and I I both can and can't believe I'm saying this. It's called the Molly Ringwald Underpants Challenge. In this challenge, the winner will be determined by whoever can be the first to bring Morgan a pair of women's underwear. This is... Morgan's got a a full-blown fetish here. This is what this is. He's really into ladies' underwear. I don't... Which is fine. No, it's not. It's not fine. This isn't fine. None of this is fine. No, I'm not trying to defend it. I'm just saying that, like... That's that's clearly what he's into. I'm not like how he seeks it out is not. Do you in the think best he ways. wants like worn underwear, or do you think he would be fine if they went to like the uh, the large mart and just like got some? I think it feels like the implication is that he wants worn underwear. Okay, well that's. <laughs> but we uh, we immediately cut to a punchline where Mr. Butterman immediately without before Morgan even finishes talking, Mr. Butterman rips Lester's underpants <laughs> off of his body via a violent wedgie i'm gonna mark that violent Violent wedgie wedgie. this is like this is rough because i hate the lead up to it i like seeing lester suffer but i hate the implication that like anybody should not be wearing whatever underwear they want and i don't like i don't know this is just so like i laughed at it but it's so like i don't know i just wish it didn't happen was lester's under was he wearing woman's underwear i don't even think so i think it was was just like yeah um, but Morgan accepts it, so that's the implication. Because Mr. Butterman thought Lester was a woman, I think. Because that's that, why Lester shouts, I'm a man, I'm a man. Is that, okay, well, if that's what's going on, I don't, I like that even less. Um, yes, Morgan accepts Lester's underpants as an adequate substitute so we can, for the love of God, move away from this. <laughs> Thank God. Uh, back at Chuck and Casey's building, apartment building, Casey and Sarah return to pick up Chuck and Tyler and realize that they are nowhere to be found. Meanwhile, at the bar, Tyler and Chuck are partying at the bar, and Tyler tells Chuck that he needs a tattoo. Tyler explains why tattoos are cool and starts, but fails to explain the story behind one of his tattoos. Turns out he doesn't really know the story of any of his tattoos. Two ladies approach them, and Tyler tells them that he's Tyler Martin, and Chuck is in his band. Chuck does a a really bad British accent. Uh, The two ladies ask Chuck and Tyler if they want to dance, 
Cut to the dance floor. Chuck no longer has a British accent, which his dance partner calls him out on. He says he doesn't really have one, and his date says that she doesn't care. Nice. Best case situation. Yeah. Back at the Bymore, uh, let's see what's going to happen now. Jeff and Mr. Butterman are participating in Morgan's subway sprint, uh, where they must face off to see who can eat their half of a five-foot-long subway sandwich first. I was pretty excited to see Subway show up, as we as we mentioned. Um, they are one of the uh, advertisers on track. One of they they feature pretty prominently, and we haven't seen them in a while. I think we saw them like once in the first season, mm-hmm. so I haven't seen them in a while. I was excited to see them here. Did our old friend Subway? Yep, definitely a big supporter of Chuck. Several feet into the sandwich, Jeff looks like he's gonna puke, but he keeps it together and makes a sprint towards the finish line. Upon finishing the sandwich, Jeff claims victory and then immediately passes out. Sarah and Casey have since followed the tracker in Chuck's watch to the hip club where he and Tyler are. As Sarah and Casey walk around a busy club, clearly holding some kind of portable GPS scanner, they notice the same mysterious man from before who planted the grenade in the Bymore. Sarah points him out and they immediately chase him onto a rooftop where they hold him at gunpoint and the man says, you have to be more careful around me and reveals that he has half a dozen grenades hidden in his trench coat. Casey and Sarah decide not to shoot the stranger and the stranger backs away saying that even if he leaves, Tyler Martin is still in danger. Thinking that Chuck is with Tyler and is thus in danger, Sarah and Casey hurry back to find Chuck. Back on the dance floor, Chuck very awkwardly grinds on two women who are grinding on Tyler. That was really uncomfortable. I'd say who's fourth wheeling, but four wheels are the ideal situation. That's what you want. (laughs) He was the third wheel on a... He was a fifth wheel. Yeah. So as he's grinding, just like as you do like at an eighth grade dance, uh, Chuck flashes on one of the women's necklaces, revealing her to be a weapons expert. Tyler says, we've got a problem. These women want to bring us upstairs and do despicable things to us, which is true, but not the way that he's thinking. (laughs) Chuck tries to warn Tyler and says that it's not the best idea to go up with the women. And Tyler responds that all of the best nights of his life began with that very sentence. I like that sentiment. Like, I kind of, I think, I thought that was a good line and kind of a decent way to live your life, but uh, not in this case. Well, I mean, not everyone is as dangerous and devil may care as you are. Oh, yeah. That's me. Dangerous, Aaron. Back at the Bymore, Morgan's torture a continues as he presents Jeff and Mr. Butterman with the third step of the triathlon, a.k.a. the urinal cake challenge. I think More. this is where I learned what a urinal cake was. I don't think I knew before this episode. <laughs> That's exciting. Yeah. Morgan carefully presents a urinal cake using giant pliers and begins to explain the rules when Jeff immediately takes the urinal cake, urinal cake and takes a bite out of it. Uh, somehow, this is still not as disgusting as the notion of the Molly Ringwald underwear challenge. No, it is not. Um, so hold on. A urinal cake, is that like people, do, do people pee on that? Um, I honestly, I do not know what the function is of the urinal cakes. I I know they're in there. They're in there. Emmett walks into the scene and says, who stole the urinal cake? I splashed myself silly. Yes. So that leads me to believe that although I thought they didn't have a function, maybe they're some kind of splash deterrent. Okay. So like there's probably like at the least it's been in the urinal with pee in it. At the most, it has been peed upon. So Jeff is... Consuming his co-workers' uh, urine. Yes, and customers. Okay. Assuming that they share one bathroom. Thank you for clarifying. I know I said that this episode before I learned what they were. I did learn that they exist, but I did not learn what they do. Well, but I, don't I, think, guess... I, I don't think anyone knows what they do. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> no one's positive. Um, so back at the bar, uh, as it turns out, the bar is actually in some kind of hotel building. So we see this as Chuck, Tyler, and the two dangerous women from the dance floor Right up in a dramatic Can you glass add elevator. Two dangerous dang- women from the well, dance floor. I think floor? just dangerous women from the dance floor. Yeah, that's good. Dangerous women from the dance floor. DDF. DWF. TDF. Yes. Rolls off the tongue. It does. Anyway, they're ro- they're riding up in this big dramatic glass elevator, which I feel like you don't really see. It's on the outside of the building. And it's going yeah. upwards. Do you yeah, ever, have you um, ever seen that? I've. I think I've seen one before. There's definitely, there's one in the hotel in New York, but I think it's inside of the building. Yeah, that's what I'm like. I think that's what I thought was strange was well, that. What was about in uh, Captain America Winter Soldier? That's oh, kind of like that. It's kind of like that. <laughs> Love that elevator. Chuck did it first. Chuck tries to get Tyler alone, you know, for some 
alone time. But Tether won't have it as he believes he is about to have a three-way sexual encounter. I'm sure he's done it before. Like, he could, he could give Chuck the time of day. I just feel like this is another situation where I feel like Chuck could just explain what's going on. Like, he could just say, like, he doesn't have to say how he knows it won't blow his cover, but he could just say, like, um, I overheard those women talking and they're planning to kill you or, like, something. Like, yeah. I feel like even if it was like he tried to do that and then Tyler was just like, yeah, they're going to kill you with sex, like, or something, like, <laughs> I feel like that would have made more sense than Chuck just, like, trying half-heartedly to be like, no, don't go in there. <laughs> you can't, I don't have a reason why you can't go in there, but you can't. Yeah. I know you, I know you really want to have a three-way, but, yeah. and I'm not really presenting a good case <laughs> for you not to have a three-way. Yeah. Um, Chuck ratchets up the intensity and eventually succeeds in getting the women to give uh, he and Tyler a minute alone. He tells Tyler that these women are very, very dangerous, and Tyler assures him that he always uses protection. Chuck begs him to deny himself this pleasure. Tyler says, you're right. You need this much more than I do, and pushes Chuck into the bedroom with the two ladies. Uh, Chuck freaks out, as you can imagine. The two women flank him and begin rubbing his chest and taking his belt off and asking where Tyler is. Chuck promises that Tyler will be right back. The women say that they don't mind Chuck going first as they awkwardly remove his pants while he's still walking. They push him onto a bed and pull his pants completely off from his ankles. And Chuck is feeling very vulnerable and afraid. He says that he believes that they have overestimated his prowess as a lover and as a man. And uh, wearing just a t-shirt and his boxers, sprints to the door of the bedroom calling for Tyler. Chuck escapes the bedroom and shuts the door. And as he stands there, we see two knives poke out of the door behind him on either side of his head. Can we, uh, can we talk vulnerable and afraid um, as, a, as an <laughs> album title? Uh, vulnerable and afraid. Surprisingly, Tyler is nowhere to be seen in the living room of the suite, so Chuck runs out of the suite and into the hotel proper until he reaches a dead end on the rooftop. He calls Sarah and Casey, who are already rushing through the hotel, up to him, but the two dangerous ladies reach Chuck at the rooftop first. Chuck, looking over the edge of the building, decides that he needs to jump off and catch the top of the glass elevator, which runs along the uh, the outside edge of the building. And as Chuck makes this leap, the dangerous woman throw a knife at Chuck in what is, I like think, the most brazen 3D special effect of yep. the entire episode. Yeah, it was coming right at us. <laughs> it was a knife. It was just like, why? Why does that knife look very CGI? And why is it coming <laughs> out the center of the screen? Yep. Um, Chuck somehow miraculously he lands on the side of the elevator where okay so in the elevator there's this couple and this couple says this is perfect for a second honeymoon and they are the <laughs> same couple that chuck accidentally like stares down in their hotel room balcony in chuck versus the seduction this was amazing and i was so excited that it happened i was so it took me a second like as it was happening i was like wait was that it and then i i Rewind yeah. it, and I was like, yes, that was it. It was great. Do you think they recognized that it was the same guy? <laughs> I don't know. We were they talking re before this episode about this couple of, like, why they go to L.A. to nondescript hotels on both of their honeymoons. Like, they just really <laughs> want to take in Los Angeles, I guess. But Chuck keeps interrupting. <laughs> I don't know if they would know. Like, because what was... I don't remember what Chuck was wearing in the last episode that they were in, but he was also getting seduced, so maybe he was also pantsless and whatever. I think he probably was, yeah. yeah. And he was also hanging off a thing, so they must just think, LA is just crazy. Yeah, after the first time of that happening, why would they try to do that again? Yeah. You know, like, Go to a oh, different city. <laughs> Go to a different city with less pervs. Yep. Chuck in his underwear hangs from the elevator and asks the couple to press the button for the lobby, but they freak out and press the next available floor button, leaving Chuck dangling. As this happened, the two dangerous ladies from the dance floor storm into the elevator. But I think I've I've learned from this that Chuck has really some killer grip strength. Yeah, he does. He's very strong. You should go on American Ninja Warrior. The one lady takes out a gun and aims it at Chuck. Uh, when Tyler enters the elevator, she decides to aim the gun at Tyler, who's very confused. But before he can be shot, Tyler is shot in the neck with a tranquilizer dart. And for some reason... The sexy lady decides not to shoot Tyler, even though that's her job and he's now more vulnerable than ever because he's unconscious. Yep. She's like, oh, well, he's unconscious. I can't shoot an unconscious person. I want them to be alive when I shoot them. Sarah and Casey jolt around the corner and proceed to beat the shit out of the sexy ladies yeah, in Casey the elevator. Yeah, does punch a woman in the face multiple <laughs> times. 
as Chuck dangles there, Casey and Sarah disarm the assassins, no problem. Uh, now, you probably think that the next scene is going to show how Casey and Sarah rescue Chuck from clinging to the outside <laughs> of a glass elevator, uh, which he's clearly, you know, like sweaty and losing grip on. But no, we cut to not. Casey's apartment where our heroes once again bring the tranquilized Tyler. Sarah and Casey roast Chuck for going to a crowded nightclub with the civilian that they're trying to protect. Chuck says that he tried to stop Tyler, but he couldn't because he doesn't have, quote, a knockout karate punch. I'm going to highlight that one. Knockout karate punch. That's good. That sounds also like it could be like the title of like an anime or something. Uh, do, do, do. Tyler wakes up and asks where he is. Casey tells him that they're with the government and that they're mm-hmm. to protect him. Feel like they could have just done this a lot earlier. Yep. Tyler starts to remember the night earlier. And realizes that the one girl was pointing a gun at him. Tyler insists that he's going to call his manager. They tell him that he can't do that because the manager might be involved. When Tyler takes out his phone, Casey shoots him again with a tranquilizer, much to Chuck's dismay. Once Tyler is passed out, Chuck flashes on the tattoo that's on the back of his neck and realizes that Tyler's manager has been using the tattoos on Tyler's body to communicate secret messages around the world. Just... uh, Another one of these plots, you know, it's like the uh, the television like, show Blind Spot. Oh, that is that's an instance of that. Yeah, I was being sarcastic, but that's uh, that's what that is. Huh? <laughs> so Chuck flashes and Casey says that Tyler's an idiot for getting tattoos that he doesn't know the meaning of. But Chuck defends Tyler and says, hey, he's a pretty cool guy. Once again, Chuck just immediately empathizing and defending whoever. Yeah, the, but in this case, is. I feel like he's actually spent more time with Tyler and Tyler didn't like take him hostage in any way. So I feel like I I feel like their connection is a little bit more. He could say he's a good guy. Yeah. Um, Sarah asked Chuck what the hell he was thinking. And Chuck says that he was just thinking like a normal guy because that's what he is. He wasn't thinking like a spy because he was just looking for a little fun. And he knew once he called Sarah and Casey, they would crush the fun. Sarah says you are a spy and it was reckless to put yourself into a situation where I can't protect you. Chuck continues to dig his grave deeper by saying that he deserved a night off and he was enjoying having fun for once. In fact, he earned it. During his rant, Chuck starts to topple over and we realize that Casey has now shot Chuck with a tranquilizer. Sarah's like, oh my God, I can't put up with all this bullshit. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what she says. She doesn't say it, but you can see it in her eyes. Yeah. The following morning at the Bymore, Morgan watches Mr. Butterman use the drink vending machine from afar. Mr. Butterman appears to be excited just to be using the vending machine and buying a soft drink of his choice. And Morgan sympathizes with him. As this is happening, Jeff approaches Morgan, all excited about their big backstage plans for the Tyler Martin show. But Morgan crushes Jeff's buzz by saying how bad he feels for Mr. Butterman. At this point, Morgan actually has a pretty profound realization about the prison industrial complex and how people who go to prison are still people and says that the golden ticket should really belong to Mr. Butterman. Jeff is disappointed, but Morgan says that he'll make it up to Jeff by buying him a cake. Morgan asks Jeff what his favorite kind of cake is, and he says, it's called beer. And Morgan says, got it. Oh, I thought, okay, so the Amazon subtitles wrote it as keg. Morgan said, let me, I'll buy you a keg. I think maybe, well, that's what the subtitles said, he said. I, I mean, that makes way more sense than okay. this. I thought this was a really weird and cool joke where it's like, I'll buy you a cake. What's your favorite kind of cake? <laughs> like, who, who thanks someone by buying them a cake? Okay, so he bought. He wants to buy him a keg, and Jeff, I guess, doesn't care. It's just beer. Yeah, and Morgan's like, okay. Yeah. Back at Castle, Beckman explains that they've identified the mysterious grenade man as a known North African terrorist. She says that he's going to be at the Tyler Martin concert that very night, and she wants our heroes to apprehend him there as part of the plan. She says she wants to use Tyler Martin as bait to lure the terrorist out of hiding. Chuck says that that is wrong, and Sarah backs him up, saying that Tyler is already wigged out about the assassins. And probably won't perform. Beckman says, I don't care. Not my problem. Figure it out. And signs off. Yeah, she's, again, she's losing me here. I feel like she, she does show a little more sympathy. You and Beckman started out so strong, but there's really this kind of divide. Maybe, maybe we'll, maybe we'll bring it back. But uh, right now we're on thin ice. (laughs) Chuck pleads with Sarah and Casey not to do this to Tyler, saying that he doesn't deserve to be punished for being a pawn in someone else's game. Uh, obviously Chuck is probably not just talking about Tyler here, but Sarah and Casey won't hear it. In fact, they know that Tyler won't listen to them. So they need Chuck to convince Tyler that he should perform. And Chuck says, no, Casey says, what do you mean? No, you have orders. Casey and Sarah are getting fed up with Chuck and all his bullshit at this point. And Sarah confronts Chuck about it, saying that she doesn't know what's going on. 
but that in case Chuck forgot, their job is to protect the people of the United States, no matter what the cost. Chuck, at this point, seems like he's really pretty over the whole spy thing and just this whole confrontation. So he kind of just gives in and reluctantly agrees to, agrees to talk to Tyler, is that who's how being you, held in a holding room. Is that how you read that scene? Because I thought I was reading it as like Chuck got motivated by what Sarah said. And he was like, fine, I'm, I'm going to do it. You're right. Like, I know that you are making these choices for my benefit and the benefit of the United States. Oh, no. Yeah, I read that scene differently then. Okay, so I don't I mean, I don't know which is correct, but uh, is it a cake or is it a keg? Is it a cake or is it a keg? Uh, We cut to Chuck talking to Tyler in the holding cell. Chuck asks Tyler if he's okay, and Tyler says, no, I'm not okay. I don't know what's happening or where I am. And someone's trying to kill me. He says the only highlight has been Casey's top quality tranquilizers. But other than that, he's having a hard time because he's never been in a life or death situation before. In fact, he spends his entire life and career avoiding anything that's real. Chuck empathizes with him and says that they want him to perform. Tyler says, no way, Jose. But Chuck argues that Tyler can make a big difference and help a lot of people by going out there and risking his life. Afterwards, Chuck says Tyler can go back to his normal life just after one night of bravery. Tyler asks why he should trust Sarah and Casey. And Chuck says because he does. This seems to convince Tyler, who says that he's ready to perform for Cleveland. And Chuck once again reminds him that they're in Burbank, to which Tyler says, I'm dyslexic. Um, do, do you want to add one end of bravery? That's a little bit like heart. Like, that's, that's a little touching, but that could be a good man name. One night of bravery? One night of bravery. Sure. While I'm right there, too, I'm going to highlight I'm dyslexic. I'm dyslexic. <laughs> As a band name. Cool. Um, that was, yeah, I can imagine that being like a like an emo band or something. Like one of the MySpace era bands. <laughs> I'm dyslexic. I'm dyslexic. <laughs> but it would be written in like all um, all lowercase... And then it would have like a guy with like swoopy hair and a ukulele. (laughs) Morgan and co end up giving Butterman the ticket and he immediately sells it to Skip Johnson for $800 and quits to buy more to go traveling. Morgan and the others are like, oh, well, and they go back to work. Well, they're kind of taken aback because Morgan had to have this like kind of profound realization that he wanted to because there the whole idea was that they kept equating the ticket to freedom and they wanted to give Mr. Butterman freedom. Yeah. And then he gave it to him and he just t- took advantage of it, which yeah, is funny. Like, oh, I appreciated yeah, it. Yeah. Um, so we cut to the concert. Oh, also happy that Skip Johnson's going to be able to go. Oh, yeah. He's a good guy. Yeah. I wish we saw him in the crowd, like, pumping his fist. But we didn't, <laughs> we didn't see it. Um, He's, not concert, He's not allowed outside of the Buy More. No. Uh, the concert is in a weirdly small venue for someone as supposedly famous as Tyler. Um, also, a voice keeps announcing, like, 20 minutes until Tyler Martin takes the stage, which I've never heard at a concert ever. Except I maybe, wish they would do that. I know, it would great. be really nice, like, if you had any idea, um, but uh, that's never happened. Except maybe <laughs> when I saw, like, American Idol Live back in the day. Maybe it happened then. 20 minutes until Ruben Stutter takes the stage. Wait, have we both seen American Idol Live? Which ones did you go to? Um, I've been I to saw- two of them. You saw two of them? Yeah. But I didn't see my love, Diana DeGarmo. I saw the two. I think I saw three and four. I think I saw four and five. Okay. Maybe I saw four and five. I saw the one with Elliot Yamin. He was in four? I want to say that's right. I think that was the last one I saw. All right. Well, we were both there. I got <laughs> I got pins with all of the contestants' faces on them. Oh, what weird shows. What a strange pop culture phenomenon. I know, it was really weird that that happened. So anyway, uh, Ahmed is the terrorist name, and he's actually, like, very good looking. I don't know if you, oh. you felt that way, but I was... I did not, because he, I'm heterosexual, but that's fine. He was good looking. You gotta acknowledge it. Um, hey, he wasn't my type. He gave a bunch of people free tickets to the show um, that he had. I guess he bought them up early um, to wear his creepy trench coat and baseball hat. (laughs) He, on the other hand, shows up in a suit. That's also fairly conspicuous for a rock concert, so whatever. But I guess he's kind of pretending to be like a manager. Um, He walks in backstage and immediately kills Tyler's guards. As Chuck and Tyler panic, Ahmed tries to break down the door. Chuck tells Tyler to hide in the closet and calls Sarah. He's about to confess that he saw her shoot the Fulton dude, and that's why he's been acting weird. And the dressing room door flies open, and he's forced to hang up. Ahmed comes at Chuck with a knife, but Chuck tells him that if he comes any closer, he'll send an email with a picture of the map on Tyler's back to someone, the whole world. I don't know. 
I don't really know exactly. This plan is a little shaky. Like, <laughs> the, the premise is that, like, Ahmed doesn't want it to be revealed that they were, like, using Tyler as, like, a human map, human mm. national treasure kind of map, if oh. you will. Um, I don't I don't know who Chuck is threatening to send it to. Um, if he was, like, I, I think Facebook is mentioned earlier in the episode. I feel like if he was, like, I'll post this to the... Because he mentioned, like, a Tyler Martin Facebook group earlier. So if mm. he was, like, I'll, paste, I'll put this on the group and everyone will know. Like, that would have made more sense. But he just has it open on his phone. Um, this makes Ahmed pause long enough for Tyler to run out of the closet with a symbol and smash Ahmed on the head. Tyler and Chuck run through the backstage area towards the stage. Um, on his way, Tyler punches Gavin and tells him he's fired. Nice. Um, nice wrap-up to that story of this character that we saw <laughs> once at the beginning of the episode. Chuck and Tyler end up on stage, and I really hope it was going to be a Star is Born-type moment with Chuck singing, but unfortunately, Chuck is not far from the shallows just yet. Despite the fact that the members of the band are playing and Tyler is in front of a microphone, but we do not hear any singing or any music other than the soundtrack of the show. Despite this, um, Ahmed is about to throw a knife and Tyler thinks it's a good time for him and Chuck to begin crowd surfing. Um, usually that's something you do like later on in the set when like the crowd's hype, but apparently Tyler Martin is such a star that everybody's just great to catch him and some guy <laughs> they've never seen before. Um, I kind of did like the way this was filmed because I personally have not ever crowd surfed, but I thought it was cool to see like Chuck like seeing everybody's face like upside down and like I thought I thought they did a good way of establishing like how it's kind of discombobulating but also kind of cool. Mm -hmm. um, I wanted to ask you, have you ever crowd surfed? No, I have not. Okay, but thank you for thinking that that could even be a remote possibility. Not surprising at all, but uh, yeah, I have definitely been at concerts where crowd surfing was happening a lot. Hmm. Um, and I always wanted to do it, but it, you are truly putting your life in a lot of people's hands, and I have never trusted anyone that much, so. What are you talking about? You don't trust a bunch of strangers who are intoxicated and are at a concert? Yeah, no. Uh, not not really. Um, once Tyler is back on stage, everyone immediately throws Chuck on the ground because they don't know who he is. Mm -hmm. um, Tyler is back up in front of his microphone, and he takes a breath to sing, but... Uh, we cut. We cut before that happens, so they we'll never know. They couldn't be bothered to even just, like, come up with the beginning of just, like, a pop rock song. Yeah, well, I was like, thinking, he just like, couldn't sing it all, maybe? Yeah, I don't know. Back at the Bymore, Morgan asked Big Mike what Butterman was in prison for. Big Mike reveals that Butterman was a white-collar criminal, and he's condemned to head back to Philadelphia. Well, I, I, to revise kind of what you just said, Morgan starts off by asking Big Mike kind of offhandedly like oh what was Mr. Butterman in jail for and then lists off of a lot of um how we how would you say like lower level kind of offenses uh -huh. or like armed robbery or um other things of that nature and then Big Mike's like no he was a white collar criminal and I was like ah Morgan subconsciously racist yes yeah um that is definitely uh what i would say is happening there and i was like i wish big mike was gonna call him out on it or be like no he was a white collar criminal you yeah. racist but yeah. instead he's just like no he's a white collar criminal yeah i was like really because morgan just basically just like laid out i i wish i wrote down what the actual offenses no, he I, I, I mean i just watched it today he says um robbery drugs or murder Okay, exactly. Yeah. That's so bad. Yeah, it's really bad. This is what he jumps to? Yeah, I did not uh I it's I guess it's good to discuss it. I was I was just gonna breeze past it and say uh Morgan does some bad shit, but um it's good it's good to say. That is that is not okay. Writers of Chuck Morgan, anyone listening, that's not okay. Don't I was just that. like I was floored by it because I was like <laughs> Yeah, because I mean I that's like, kind of what? the joke. Like the joke is like Morgan is racist. Like it's not it's not quite like I don't think I don't even know if they know that that's the joke, but that's the joke. <laughs> like the joke is like, oh, this like big imposing man is not like is a white collar criminal. Ha ha! I can't believe it. Yeah, no, like not just a big imposing man, but like a big imposing African American yes, man yeah. is not. Yeah, like it, yeah. I was I was like I was, not prepared for that no, level of like no racial commentary yeah. in Chuck. Yeah. It's not something that I come to Chuck expecting. No, but it, it was there. It was, I think it was a missed opportunity for Big Mike to uh, school Morgan. But yeah, it would be nice. Maybe, maybe it'll happen sometime, but I'm not holding my breath. 
maybe there'll just be an episode where all the characters just kick the shit out of Morgan for 44 minutes. <laughs> That'd be nice. Throw Lester in there, too, because he needs, he needs to get some. Yeah, he could get it. <laughs> uh, so we find out that Tyler is going to get his tattoos removed. Good. Um, Tyler has a nice moment with Chuck where he thanks him for teaching him to be more selfless and tells Chuck he's always welcome to party with Tyler if he wants. Chuck says he doesn't really think that's his scene. Then Tyler says, Daddy's gotta go, which, add that to the list, please. Um, and he departs, <laughs> doing the thing from the end of the breakfast club where he, like, goes, like, pumping his fist. Sarah then approaches Chuck and uh, finally confronts him about how he's been acting a little bit weird. She says, I know part of your job is to have all these secrets in your head, but you're not supposed to keep them from me, which I thought was a nice line. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chuck tells Sarah at last that he saw her shoot the Fulcrum agent, and she explains herself, but not really enough. I feel like instead of saying, like, I did what I had to do, she could have said, the man literally said there was no way of stopping him unless I shot him. Like, I feel like <laughs> she could have just said that. But uh, Chuck says, Chuck seems to understand. He says he's not sure he'll ever get used to all this, and Sarah says he deserves as much time as he needs to take a break. He's grateful for this until Casey walks up and hands Sarah a duffel bag, and they say they're going on their next mission. They get in one of... Casey's Fleet of Crown Vicks, which is kind of also a good name. It's kind of like Flock of Seagulls, sure. Fleet of Crown Vicks. Um, and they're about to drive off when Chuck hops in the car and says, no time for a break, we've got work to do. So uh, he's going to burn himself out, but at least we know he's into the spy stuff now. Hooray. He's a workaholic, but yeah. he's he's committed yep. until I'm sure like three episodes, maybe just the next episode where he's like, I don't know if I want to do this. Yeah. So that's season two, episode 12 of Chuck, Chuck versus the third dimension. Moving on from that, I would like to introduce a new segment that potentially, based on how this goes, could be reoccurring. Maybe we'll see. Or it could not. Or it could not. We'll see how it goes. Uh, This segment I like to call the episode in review. And this is where we look at uh, reviews from watchers, audience members, uh, fans, perhaps. Oh, uh, that's a that's a good segment. I like that. I hope it interesting goes well. reviews, not like yes. professional reviews, yes. just kind of reviews that we come across. Yeah. So the other day when I was looking at the IMDb page of this episode, yes, I came across a review that inspired this. Uh, so I would just like to re- read that review for you. Okay. Uh, the subject line is entitled "It was a great series until dot dot dot." Oh no. And the review begins with this, quote, Why does every promising series end up sacrificing itself to the sex gods? Was watching with my 12-year-old, no more. End quote. This review is from July 2nd, 2019. <laughs> oh my god! That's so recent! <laughs> it's very recent. So, so, <laughs> so like let's unpack the, that. <laughs> the last episode where they showed down uh, Ellie and um, Anna's shirts not um not enough the, the previous season where sarah is in lingerie not enough devin making all the sex references to chuck in that one episode where he wants chuck to get laid not enough it was this episode this was the straw that broke the camel's back no more was watching with my 12 year old who definitely doesn't know about sex doesn't have any friends that are going to try to talk to him about sex and probably like now or next year it's not going to be all my 13-year-old's going to be thinking about. No more. I, yeah, like, they, <laughs> there's I so mean, many guess, other sexual things leading up before this point. Yeah, I guess this episode, like, I mean, I'm a little desensitized to it, I guess. But, like, the thing with at the beginning, like, it does have Sarah and Watt and Drake crawling over uh, yeah. the clock, And then there's the thing with, like, they're going to have a threesome with those women. So I guess. But, like, that's nothing that's not on other shows. Like, it wasn't, like... It wasn't nearly as bad as a lot of the things, so that's that's a good review. <laughs> so that was that was the episode in review. So I guess um, that's a, another uh, listener we've lost before we even had them. I say sarcastically, this is a fun for the entire family kind of show, but um, no, I mean, but I think like I don't know, like maybe like fourteen is the best age to start, like. But I I feel like a twelve year old. I don't know. I mean. I, w- I would say this is on par with, like, a PG-13 rating. Yeah, I think, I think so. this person, I mean, I don't, I offer no judgment. This person is allowed to watch or not watch anything they want for any reason. Um, and I think there are plenty of reasons to think this show is out of date or not want to watch it. But, uh, yeah, they, uh, they, they took a stance. I have some trivia from the Chuck Wiki that I'd like to offer. 
Um, one of the first things we mentioned, uh, the tattoos that Dominic Moynihan does not know what they are. Uh, one of them, the Arabic one, is a famous quote from the Bible, which says, the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. So that's one of his tattoos. I don't know what it means in the spy context, but uh, <laughs> it means that in the real life context. Um, Emmett exclaims no touching in uh, the beginning of the episode when he's talking to the crowd. And this line is uh, a recurring gag from Arrested Development, which mm. I didn't know, but maybe you know. That sounds kind of familiar. I haven't seen it in a long time. Yeah. The uh, grenade um, that... Ahmed has um, at the beginning of the episode in the Bymore is an IG-88, which is the name of an assassin droid from the Star Wars universe. Um, okay. You know that. Um, the, this one I did know, the closing text that says to be continued is meant to resemble the Back to the Future font, which I don't know why or how that's relevant, but it I did pick up on that and I said, wow, okay. Was that supposed to be in 3D? I think so. Like, that was the part I picked up on. I was like, oh, that's uh, that's 3D. But I don't, I don't know if Back to the Future has any relationship to 3D. Why wouldn't they do that at the end of Chuck versus the DeLorean? Yeah, I don't know. I have no idea. I don't know why it said to be continued. I don't know any of this. But um, the last thing that I wanted to point out, in case anyone did not notice, is that the Butterman plotline is supposed to be one of two references in Chuck to the Shawshank Redemption. Really? Okay. Can't you tell that it's uh, just just uh, exactly like that film? Yeah. I was like, oh, man, this is they're practically just ripping pages out of the Shawshank Redemption script. Um, OK, cool. I uh, maybe just a brief home theater room segment. Oh, please I, do. Was, I was thinking uh, with like the people going to get their things signed at the buy more. Have you ever been in a situation where you went to, uh, to get something signed at a yeah, store? Like at a, some kind of promotional event. Um, I met David Ortiz at a um, like a baseball themed restaurant near my hometown once. Um, I didn't. I was just with my friends who were Red Sox fans. I didn't really know who he was at the time. Now I know who he is. Um, it was that you met um, David that, Ortiz? Yeah. Did you shake his hand? I don't. I mean, I was a child, so I don't know if he shook my oh. hand. But I was with people shaking his hand. Like, maybe he looked at me. Is there um, a photo of that or no? No. Oh. Um. They did a tour to all the schools in Massachusetts when the Red Sox won the World Series of, like, the trophy a couple mm-hmm. times. So, I I mean, that's not, like, a person signing something, but I did see uh, that. <laughs> I did wait in line to see that. Um, and while I was in New York, yeah, there were definitely, like, I met the lead singer of the Mountain Goats uh, at, like, that kind of event. I went to a couple talks where, like, people were on stage afterwards. But I do, uh, do tend to avoid human contact. Um when I saw a Tom Hiddleston play in London, I was relieved to see signs posted that there would be no stage door appearances because I did not want to talk to someone who I love that much. <laughs> what about you? Uh, this had me thinking about the time last fall when I went to go get uh, Josh Groban's signature on his new album for my mom and sister because yes. he was doing a promotional event at the Barnes course, and Noble. Yeah. In Union Square. Yeah. And it was uh, it was basically kind of similar to the Tyler Martin situation, except instead of teenage girls, it was all upper middle aged women. Yes, and me. Yes, and then just other people like I knew why I was there. Yeah. Not, I don't have anything against Josh Groban. And he was no, perfectly Josh, he's nice. Funny. And he's a good comedian as well. He I mean, he was like on autopilot while he was signing yeah. all these records. And you had to give him like a note card with the name that you wanted him to inscribe. And yeah. I shook his hand. He's like, oh, I was gone. Yeah. Um. But yeah, there are other people there and it was a situation where like we're sitting. I had to spend the whole day because it was like you had to get there. You had to buy the album the day before and hold on to the receipt. And then you had to be one of the first people in line when the store opened the next morning. So I had to go back and do that. But then the actual signing wasn't happening until later in the afternoon. So I had to kill time. And then I was back in Barnes & Noble and I was in line and. That was my rock star encounter with with one Josh Groban. Josh Groban. Well, Josh Groban is your friend because you didn't you see him in the Boston Common one time? This is true. This is the, that was the second time that my paths crossed with Josh Groban. The first time was I was walking through the park in Boston uh, just on like a nice fall day. And I was walking listening to my iPod and I see this guy coming up towards me. And I'm like, oh, that guy kind of looks like Josh Groban. And he like looks really wigged out that I'm looking at him. I'm like, that's strange. Like, I know some people... I don't know. Like, don't be weirded out that someone's looking at you, dude. Um, 
And then afterwards, I was looking on Twitter because I followed him on Twitter and he was like, oh, I had a great time at the Emerson Cafe. And I was like, shit, that was Josh well, Groban. I just Groban? walked by Josh Groban and I didn't even know it. I remember so. being truly excited by that story when it happened. Were you not truly excited this time? I mean, that was fine. I'll have to workshop it. While I workshop it, we can move on to Chuck, Mary Kill. Yeah, one part of this it. episode where we want to marry it because we loved it so much. And one part of this episode that we want to kill it because we did not like it. So I would really like to marry uh, Dominic Monaghan's performance in this episode. Oh, I, yeah? thought, uh, I thought he did a really good job. Um, and I, I mean, like, I'm a little partial to him because I watched him in Lost and I watched him in Lord of the Rings and like, I just like him in general. But mm-hmm. I thought, um, although it was like awkward that they didn't like show him singing, um, even like dubbed over or even just like starting to sing or like something, I thought they could have done that. But I thought that he really embodied the persona of the person that he was supposed to be pretty well. Um, I know his character on Lost is also, like, a singer, so I, I, it's a role he's played before, but I thought it was well done, and I I liked him uh, as an actor. I liked him as a character. Nice. I uh, I was just going to marry the uh, the callback to the couple from oh, yeah, that's the Seduction. incredible. That's I just was... It's totally unexpected, and I guess maybe if you're watching the show in real time, you might not necessarily notice yeah. it, but maybe you would. I guess we... Yeah watched Chuck versus the seduction perhaps longer ago than when it would have aired in real time. So you probably would have caught it if you saw it, but I just thought it was a nice little Easter egg and a nice little callback. I hope they uh, do that with other stuff or that that couple shows up again at some point. And uh, I of course had to change my Mary because my initial Mary was, you know, Morgan offering to buy Jeff a cake. Was it really? No, it wasn't. I'm just kidding. All right. Uh, what, What would you feel? Do you want me to go first? Um, you go first. I um I thought that the uh prison plotline was just kind of um messy. I think that there there were times like as you were talking about Morgan's like revelation. I feel like that was intended to be like Morgan getting a little bit of a comeuppance, and like I feel like what they were trying to do was like, oh, Morgan made a judgment on this person, and he was completely wrong. But especially watching it like today i feel like it was just like not handled well at all and i hated like morgan's uh implied racism and like (laughs) the um like when he makes like a joke about like the shower and how he doesn't want like he might not want to be near an ex-con because ex-con's been in too many showers like that that's like at best a tired joke and at worst like horribly offensive so (laughs) um i think that i would uh either do that a completely different way or just get rid of it. Um, so that's that's my kill. So my kill is a little bit more, I don't know, conceptual. I guess I just kind of have my uh, my gears are, are in a grind because of it being a 3D episode. Yeah. Like I, it, so I appreciate the idea of like, hey, it's really ambitious and cool. Like, what if we do this 3D episode of our show yeah. and we can broadcast it on network TV and it's going to be 3D uh, and we're going to have some kind of synergy with some kind of partner. Maybe they're, I feel like you could even get like the 3D glasses. Maybe they were like in TV Guide or something like in okay. a magazine. Yeah. In addition to Subway, maybe. Yeah. But like, we're going to do this. It's going to be super ambitious. Um, And I just feel like it doesn't they didn't own the third dimension aspect of it as much as they could have like it feels like they had this episode already written and kind of laid out and then they were like oh well the 3d thing is going to happen so how can we make this in 3d rather than having 3d be more involved because i feel like i almost would have preferred it to be like if you're going to do the 3d thing like really commit to it hardcore Mm -hmm. And just like really make it a spectacle. But instead, I feel like it was kind of half-assed. And yeah. I mean, the fact that they didn't even put the 3D version on the DVD, but still gave me 3D glasses. I was yeah. just like, what am I What am I supposed to do with this? Because um, I think it would be easier to get a 3D thing on a DVD than it would be to air yeah. on network television. So, um, yeah, I just I feel like it was kind of a uh, I appreciate the ambition of the gimmick, but I feel like it kind of fell flat. Yeah, when you uh, when you mentioned to me that there was a 3D episode, because I don't think I knew, I don't remember if I knew that the first time I watched these through, um, but the first time you mentioned that there was a 3D episode, I was like surprised when we got to it this early, because that seems like something they do when they're right. like, a really well-established show, and like everybody's like jonesing for Chuck. Yeah. Um, 
And it seems like, like, I would have thought it was one of the episodes where, like, I mean, presumably at some point, like, Chuck goes, like, inside a big computer room or, like, into, like, it would be kind of cool to see in 3D, like, the intersect room. Like, because at some point Chuck Mm -hmm. gets, like, another version of the intersect. Like, it would be cool to see, like, he's in a big white room and, like, all the images flashing in 3D and, like, have, like, computer stuff. Like, this episode, as you're saying, seems like they just kind of tacked it in. Like, it was a weird episode that you didn't really need 3D for. Mm-hmm. Like it would, it seems like more technological episodes would lend themselves to like having like numbers and images and all stuff pop up as opposed to like the drunk rock star episode. Right. Yeah. And I, but I feel like even the rock star thing, like I thought that they would have like with rock stars and like visual effects or yeah. drugs or just like there's more yeah, that you could play point. with there. Like, and I just fire. feel like, yeah. yeah, and they just didn't do it. But yeah. I don't know. Um, so moving on to the scooter scale, our definitive rankings of this episode: zero to five corn dogs. Um, what do you think? I'm gonna give it a three point seven five. Ooh, is that our first like point seven five? I don't, th- I don't think so, but I don't know. It might be. Um, huh. Okay. I, th- I thought, like, I as I am saying, I really liked the like whole rock star thing. I liked the conclusion to the talk feeling weird about Sarah shooting the guy. Um, I liked... I, I don't know. I mean, I, I thought it worked really well as, like, there wasn't a ton of, like, the fulcrum plot or anything in this, but I kind of liked it as, like, a like more filler episode. Um, I liked the guest star appearances, although I didn't like both of the guest star plots. Um, I think, like you're saying, I'll, I gave them a little bit of leeway because I thought it was ambitious to try it. 3D episode, even though I think it could have been better utilized elsewhere. Um, but I think there were enough things that, like, I felt iffy about that it's not it's not going up to four or higher for me. Mm-hmm. How yeah, about I'm, you? I'm pretty much right there. I am a quarter of a point beneath you at 3.5. Okay. I think that, I don't know, the plot was kind of strange and it felt kind of forced at points. Mm-hmm. Um, it didn't help that I feel like the last week's episode was kind of a strong one for me yeah. or one that I enjoyed. But yeah. uh, like I said, I think the 3D stuff is just kind of gimmicky and unnecessary and not yeah. really executed well. However, I did appreciate that they somewhat explored Chuck not wanting to be a spy mm-hmm. and wanting to return to his normalcy. Um, but also Chuck's fear of Sarah following Christmas Eve, I think, was an interesting dynamic yeah. um, to have in their relationship and one that I think... Uh, it gave this episode a much needed sense of wait for it dimension. <gasps> Pretty good. That's right. Okay, so now Man-man. last thing we have some very important business to get okay. to. Um, so, I think I know what I'm going to pick, but I want to hear them all over again. So we'll we're considering all of these for band name and album name, right? Might as well. Sure. Okay, so I will read all of them out that we have. We have tense coil of stressed out negativity. Good. We have Mr. Butterman. Okay. The sketchiest man in the world. Okay. Butt Williams. <laughs> Tranquilized Tyler. Tongue watch duty. A violent wedgie. Dangerous woman from the dance floor. Vulnerable and afraid. Knockout karate punch. One night of bravery. I'm dyslexic. <laughs> Daddy's gotta go. <laughs> <laughs> Fleet of Crown Vicks, and then one I added uh, just at the last minute. At best, a tired joke. At worst, horribly offensive. Okay, um, so are we are we gonna pick one for album and one for band name, or are we just gonna pick our favorite? Yeah, I think I think one for each probably. Okay, I'm gonna go with Butt Williams for the best band name. Yes, and I'm gonna go with Daddy's Got to Go for album <laughs> album cover. So, Butt Williams and their debut album, Daddy's Gotta Go. It's good. It sounds like a. It sounds kind of like a potty training album. <laughs> um, I really also like Dangerous Women from the Dance Floor. I think that would be a good, like, pop group. Okay, so I'm gonna. My band name will be Dangerous Women from the Dance okay. Floor, and their album will be I'm Dyslexic. Of course. I knew you were gonna pick that. I once again I'm not making fun of people with dyslexia that's not what I'm doing I just think it would be funny that they <laughs> that's something that's pretty personal to a yeah. lot of people and to advertise it as a band name or album name yep. is kind of kind of different yeah all right well that was fun that was great um so I think it's time probably that we return to the second dimension well 
Is it life in 3D? Uh, life is in 3D, yeah. Okay, well, we can, we can return to the... Um, well, a little there. known fact is just that we live in 2D. <laughs> We're just little when, illustrations. <laughs> We're not recording. I'm going to go back to my little uh, coloring book that I live in with just length and width and no other no other dimensions. I'm going to go back to the uh, Take On Me music video. Take On Me. That music video creeped me out so much when I was a kid. That's a great music video. People love that music video. It might be a good music video, but it's scary. Scary how much much you like it or how good it is? I was at, um, there's Universal City Walk. It's like a thing. Do you know Universal City Walk? I've been to Universal City Walk, Aaron. Well, you've been to the one in Florida. Have you been to the one here? I've been to the one in Los Angeles, Aaron. Okay, so Universal City Walk, I was there, and they have, like, a big screen. Like, I was sitting in the food court, and they have a big screen, and it was playing Cake on Me. And it was the middle of the day, so it was just, like, empty. And it was just that on the screen. So, I'm. this is a fun fact. But it was the Weezer version. Oh. I think I think the kid from Stranger Things is in the music video. Don't hold me to that, but it's like kind of the same. But it's like the kid from Stranger Things instead. That oh. Weezer. But okay. I was like, oh, this is this must just be like a different version of it. Um, but it wasn't. It was Weezer. Well, I'm Chris Gillespie telling you that, especially when you're at the Universal City Walk in Los Angeles, California, which I visited and have eaten at multiple times. What did you eat there, and when? None of your business. Food is sexy. Food is sexy, especially there. Um, and I am Aaron Arana, letting you know that anything is possible. Even us going back to the second dimension. Ah! All right. See you later. Whoa, it's my banana cream pie. Ah! See you next week. Thanks for listening. Special thanks to freemusicarchive.org and the artist Hadakoa for providing us with our theme song, Warm Up. Make sure to email us at gochuckyourselfpodcast at gmail.com and tweet at us at gochuckpodcast. Remember to like and subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts and write a review if that's something you need to do. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye.